and Matt Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. Welcome to episode number 11 of the Nick and Matt Show. I'm Matt and this is my buddy Nick. Welcome back, Nick. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? I say welcome back and people are like, well, where'd oh, Nick go? Yeah, well, where were you? Well, you wouldn't have been able to see my name on top of the leaderboards at D Globe, but I was in Michigan, just very far down the leaderboard. It was. It <laughs> we'll was... talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. You don't need to throw yeah. yourself under the bus yet. So we've yeah. got a great show lined up tonight. This one is actually live. So if you comment, and we've already got comments coming in, if you comment, you may be able to persuade our conversation to go a certain direction. So keep the conversation going. We have a guest, Kona Panis of Team Anova coming to join us tonight, one of the FPO players out there. Mm -hmm. Nick, you know her. I do. She's a good friend of mine. Did you see her out there this week? I did. Awesome. Um, we'll talk to her, and we're going to see what's going on there. There's a lot of great thoughts we have about asking her certain questions, and uh, I'm sure you guys, or I'm hoping that you guys will be interested as well. Uh, Nick, there's a game that we play on here, and we played it a lot in the beginning. It's called Judge That Disc Golfer. And uh, we're canceling it. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. The people wanted more. Do you like the game? Judge that disc golfer. If you're listening, would you let us know? Nick, what do you think? Do you enjoy playing that game? I do enjoy playing it. I lose a lot, which is <laughs> kind of weird because it's part of my show and I lose it a lot. But um, no, it's really fun. And I like it because it engages the live audience as well. You get to find someone at Maple Hill. You get to do this really fun thing with them. And then me and whoever our guest is we get to compete on it so yeah what's not to like <laughs> you're just not good at judging people and that's not a bad thing yeah. right all right so if you cancel the game why even have the podcast we've got live comments coming in yeah. we totally appreciate it i'm feeling amped up because normally we go every seven days and we have a show so mm -hmm. because nick and i were traveling last week we pre-recorded and so it's been about 10 or 11 it seems like forever i know right so we have Kona Panas coming on. Judge that disc golfer is returning. Um, we're going to talk a topic probably towards the end on calling rules violations in uh, competitive yeah. play. Nick, have you ever had to call a rule violation on somebody? I've never had to call them like straight up saying, oh, hey, man, that was a footfall. I usually like if I kind of see it happen the first time, I'll kind of just nudge the guy and say, you know, hey, man, just kind of watch your step. But a lot of times besides for putting and stuff like that like on open courses someone who's foot faulting they're not really gaining too much of an advantage for that footfall but if you're putting and you're you know say six inches past where you're supposed to be there is a potential advantage from that so yeah. it's kind of it's there's touchy, a time and a place you know? yeah exactly the rules talk that's going to be a fun one to go through because i know there's going to be <laughs> 80 different things opinions yeah, yeah. exactly and it's going to be oh why don't you call them on rules or oh you're kind of toolish for calling them on those rules so right. it's kind of it'll be fun okay so that will be one of the topics we get to eventually mm -hmm. and then there's a new segment where we have scoured the internet the deep interwebs and we found disc golf questions people asking questions out there and we're gonna have fun with it we're gonna make the person anonymous but we did do screen grabs of questions we found out there in social media we're gonna have fun with it i'm gonna read the question yeah. maybe you'll read a question and then we will unfiltered like unprepared we didn't really preview these questions obviously we had to prepare the show but we didn't preview mm -hmm. the questions to where 
we didn't let ourselves think about how we would answer. Yeah. So it's going to be on the moment. Quick, like 30 second answers. Maybe not even <laughs> on some of them. Maybe not even. We'll see. Some of these will be fun. So uh, we've got a lot of people joining the show live. We really appreciate it. If you'd consider just sharing it. Um, and for those of you who are listeners on iTunes or Spotify later, man, it really pumps us up when we see a new listen on our podcast or a review or a share. Same thing for a YouTube or anywhere else. So yeah. In Don't fact, forget to, you know, subscribe yeah, on YouTube. It's a quick, you know, hit the thumbs up button. Give us a subscription. And uh, guys, we're at a little over 740, I think now. A thousand followers, or excuse me, a thousand subscribers. We're going to be doing a pretty large giveaway. One of I the things that I've talked about is I'm going to be giving someone a Proto Zeus, one of the uh, Paul McBeth stamp Zeuses. And, uh, you know, we're just going to slowly filter some new stuff in there as well. I was just going to say, Nick, can I tease out the idea of a bag? Is yeah. that something I can do? Yeah, because right, you're so. teasing it to me, too, because I have heard nothing about that. <laughs> uh, I'll see which bag. I've got some yeah. bags around that are brand new. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, let's just put it this way. There will be a bag in a thousand person or a thousand follower giveaway. So yeah. there will be a disc that goes in the bag yeah. that Nick has. Um, we're going to keep growing Maybe that. Maybe a putter or two. I've got some old putters that i'm never gonna use again <laughs> i yeah. thought about that just We're pulling just out of bag. our bag yeah. <laughs> just like here you can have this old yeah. dx plastic disc uh, maybe they'd like it you know because yeah. you were touching it nick mm -hmm. <laughs> um so uh, last week i was traveling but guess what this week coming i i want to say kind of last minute but was contacted i've done some filming for the disc golf, well, not for the disc golf pro tour. I've done some filming working for uh, Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. Uh, when I started this year, it was at Las Vegas Challenge. Uh, there's a lot of stories that go with that. Now is a good time. Um, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Sometimes even some of your stuff. Yeah, that's a story for another time. But um, so Terry Miller reached out to me this week and said, "Hey, do you want to um, film MPO Chase for the disc golf pro tour at Idlewild?" And after I <laughs> move some schedule careful consideration yeah, yeah careful you know i've got a wife and four kids and i'm travel a decent amount for work already so yeah. yes i'm going to be going down to idlewild and i will be more or less heading up the crew that films mpo chase which is pretty cool um who do you expect to be on a chase card at that event Ooh, that's a tough one it's like one I of ten yeah. players yeah exactly <laughs> or one of eight um I don't know. That's tough. All right. Because everyone's kind of having a good week. I, I suspect like Nico on the chase card. All right. I'm just going to go okay. with that off the top Nico. of my head. Yeah, we'll Drew see if Gibson. he's on there. Drew Gibson. Okay. Um, and so anyways, that's where I'm going to be. So next week I'm traveling on Thursday. So once again, we will do an earlier show. But here's the deal. We heard you loud and clear. Everyone loves or prefers the live show. For those who are tuning in on the day, they like the live show. Mm -hmm. So we are going to record on Wednesday. So we'll do Wednesday at seven o'clock this coming week. Uh, for those of you who are our podcast listeners, uh, you may see the show up sooner yeah. inside of your podcast player. Yeah. Um, that should be the plan. We'll have no that doubt. up and ready to go. So uh, Nick, mm -hmm. we started the show off saying, hey, welcome back. But tell us a little bit. You drove out to yeah. Deglo. Yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, yeah, I had work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of that week. So I wasn't able to leave until Wednesday at... About 7.15, 7.30, because I stopped at the gas station. I think about 7.30, got some food, my energy drinks and everything like that. Drove about 11 and a half hours to Fenton, I think is where I was staying. And uh, got into town about 
I think I took one one-hour nap in Ohio because I, I was pretty wiped at that point. But I uh, got into town around 8, 8.30, hung out for the morning just for an hour or two, eating breakfast, seeing everyone that I was staying with, and then went right out to the course and started practicing. I won't do it again. <laughs> I will not drive 12 hours the day before a tournament <laughs> to go play it. Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. man. I've driven, you know, a few hours to play a tournament or something, and you're like, oh, I'm so stiff and ready. But, like, yeah. to do that and be tired coming straight from work and all that, that's that's got to be brutal. So yeah. did you play to your abilities of what you were hoping or expecting? Nope. I'm going to go with a hard no on that one. Um, my practice rounds, I did okay. You know, I had played the course last year, so I had a pretty general idea of what shots I was going to throw, what discs I was going to use, you know, just from playing the course and having a little bit of knowledge of it. But um, this year they made a couple small tweaks that actually, if anything, it made the course easier. And uh, my second practice round, we did kind of a scored round where we threw multiple shots, but we kept score off the first one. And I shot like a three or four down. So I was feeling pretty good. I was like, you know, what? I kind of my goal that week was actually to shoot three or four down every round. I was like, if I do that, that's going to put me in the cash. It's going to boost my rating up a little bit. And that course is tough. If you don't throw pretty far, like say 450 to 475 every single throw, it's tough to score there. It's very easy to par, um, but it's tough to birdie. Very easy to par has got to be a little relative. I mean, you know my game. Is it very easy or it's just more like at an MPO level? It's at an MPO level, I would say. Like for me, I throw you know, 420 to 440 pretty consistently this week. You know, I, my body wasn't feeling great. Sitting in the car for 12 hours didn't help. Um, my job, you know, I play softball on Monday nights. All those kind of factored in. I don't want to make too many excuses because I really <laughs> did not play well. I get then that. Then stop talking. Yeah. No, but. But um, no, if your throws aren't what they usually are, it was, you know. Hard. Areas where I should be in circle one. I was, you know, 35 to 45, maybe even 50 feet in circle two. And so I think like the second round, I had nine circle two putts and I think I had made one. Yeah. So it was like if I was throwing 20 to 40 feet further, those circle two putts became circle one putts for birdies or for pars. And then your round's a lot better. So anyways, but for me, like my first you round, made it out yeah, there. for me, my first round, I shot two birdies, two bogeys, you know, and the bogeys were simple. I like, looked little mistakes. I looked at the ratings and your first round was a little underneath what you're rated. It's hard to score ratings wise there. Hmm. It it's, didn't look that great. Yeah, no, it's that's <clears throat> definitely one of the tougher of the course because there's not a lot of OB. Chuck Kennedy, Chuck Kennedy. Chuck. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there's not Chuck a lot of OB. <laughs> so lower level players aren't kind of blowing up on holes like you would at ddo or ledgestone or everything like that you know he was <laughs> the comment that just came in said yeah. that's why that's why paul didn't yeah. win uh, he wanted to get on a card with his buddy Nick. yeah exactly no <laughs> okay. i was right if i had shot two shorts better i potentially was gonna be on the same card as brody and we've been talking about that it's like dude one of these days we're gonna play a tournament together and uh i failed him you know brody brody beat my butt this weekend so <laughs> So let's jump into, uh, yeah. not everybody loves hearing about tournament recaps, especially on a Thursday following it's, you know, it's almost a week out. You've already done a lot of your own, you know, looking at it and analyzing it. Some people haven't, so they do appreciate this. Mm -hmm. If you're one of those who doesn't just, you know, set the phone down or lean and turn something else on the TV for a little yeah. bit. That's fine. We're going to have Kona on, um, probably in the next 15 or 20 minutes or so here. And, uh, the show's going to really get turned up in a, in a little while, but for now, we've got some hot takes, maybe, on some of the tournament play. We're going to tell you some of what we think about what happened. Um, let's get right into it. The MPO average, let's jump right to the top. What was the average rating 
to win this event. What did you have to shoot, Nick? 1064. And which you... for a Pro Tour event, it's kind of low, I feel like. Okay. Give us your take on that. What do you think you should... No, I, like I was saying, it, it's tough to like what did what did Eagle shoot, shot 11 11 11 and I think last year one of Paul's rounds was 13 down and I remember still the ratings are not incredibly awesome there. It's just it's so as you said, maybe it's not that the the gameplay was less competition, but it's the impressive. Ratings. Yeah, for the for the winners and the guys mm -hmm. who have placed, you know, top five, it's impressive what they did. I mean, shoot, Eagle didn't bogey a single hole out there. Yeah, that's pretty insane. I mean, they're <laughs> and that's was his first time out there, and his first time out there. Like you know, I say it's easy to par there. It is, but like there are times where you make a simple little mistake, like you know, you get a bad mm -hmm. roll away or something mm -hmm. like that, it turns into a bogey. But no, he played fifty four holes completely bogey free and shot eleven down each round, just birdied eleven different holes pretty much every single time. And uh, but no, ten sixty four. I mean, to be honest, for winning a pro tour event that does feel kind of light, you know, for the winner who's winning Ledgestone in a couple weeks. It's probably going to be like 1080. But the interesting thing is, as you know, and you've explained your frustrations, the ratings could be different on different courses to the point where, again, you might say that rating is light, but I think the competition was just as high. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk 100%. about this. Congratulations to Eagle, by the way. That was a great battle. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, we'd First be, time out there, dude. That, that without, was fun. Yeah, but without... I'm not saying spoiler, it's far enough out, but like the incredible opportunity that there was almost going to be a three-way playoff there. And I actually was, was kind of rooting for that. Same. We were all at, uh, so we were doing this fly mart with Discraft down at uh, this gas station. They were selling a bunch of discs and uh, we were all watching it on the live screen projector. And, you know, obviously Eagle's a friend of mine. I want to see Eagle win, but it would have been cool to see Eagle, Dickerson, and Ricky go to a playoff because they were going to do holes one, or 17, even Joe, and Kevin Jones wasn't he right there one stroke back? If he had made his putt on eighteen, <laughs> right. So Ricky was solidified. I'm pretty sure he only had like a twenty five footer. Dickerson was solidified at thirty two down, and then Eagle just had to make that putt for thirty three down. But yeah, it would have been sick. Someone's asking if Eagle knew he won. If you watched this, uh, the you could go two ways. Either he wanted to be like that, like exaggerated, humble person, like, oh, I didn't know I won. But I actually think it was legit because he wasn't sure. One, because there wasn't an audience there to cheer and congratulate yeah, right. him. And two, the TD didn't run right over immediately, which I think is part of their plan now is not to just bombard somebody as soon as their putt crashes the basket. Mm -hmm. And three... There were so many players close there that he, he I don't think he was sure. Yeah. There was too much math to do in the moment. Yeah, well, he said he's like, that's why you don't check the live scoring. And it's kind of weird because every pro is different. Like, I know a lot of pros who, if they're in that position to where they think it's a close battle, they're checking the live scoring every single hole. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure Paul was checking the live scoring at DDO. So yeah. he knew Calvin was shooting really yeah. hot that round. And he's like, dude, honestly, I just need a par 18. And I'm can golden. we say, can we do hot take? Like you should be, or some people will say, no, as a golfer, I think, like yeah. play your game e and Eagle do your would best. say, no, I, I don't care to look at live scoring. And there's, I mean, he, he thought he was tied with Ricky yeah. when it was Dickerson who actually was putting on more of the pressure because he wasn't watching it. Okay. So let's get on from that there's yep. so many points about that tournament that we're not going to talk about everything we're going to that that'll yeah. be the longest we talk about anything exactly so the average to get last cash nick was higher than your player rating the mm -hmm. average to get last cash which uh, makes sense okay yep you feel like that's probably accurate yeah okay so 994 yep. was last cash um and that's an average so that means you probably shot over a thousand maybe you shot 980 and you shot a 990 something so that's mm -hmm. that's your last cash um, so that is, um, let's see who's the most notable player. I say notable, but maybe I, I could say, um, 
disappointment. I don't know. No, most notable player who didn't cash. There's Coling who didn't cash. Surprise, yep. Greg Barsby. And I throw these names out there, and maybe it's not a surprise they didn't cash, but they've been playing fairly well. Yeah. Casey White, Brody Smith, and then and Nick Carl, of course. Nick yeah. Carl. So we're, we're surprised you didn't cash. So, nah. <laughs> so <Thanks. laughs> who, who out of the MPO is your biggest disappointment? Uh, meaning you expected them to do well and they didn't perform. Um, well, I mean, I always expect Paul to do well, but that's such a basic answer. I'm going to say Simon okay. because I was talking with Simon kind of during that week and saying, you know, hey, how do you like the course? And he was like, after the first time we played it, I'm actually starting to enjoy it more and more. And it just seems like an attackable place for Simon. And uh, yeah, I mean, I forget what he exactly finished at, but uh, Simon, yeah, thirty seventh, thirty seventh. So I forget under par, but oh yeah. Anyways, I, I don't know. I think there was one of his rounds. He only shot like two down. I think the second round or whatever. But mm. yeah, that was kind of. I would say that was my disappointment. That is, on the and you have side. the same as me. So we're just gonna move along. I said yeah. Paul too, but I was like, that's basic. But that's such a basic answer. It yeah. is, but it was surprising. Well, yeah. I mean, Did, so Brody, without throwing him under the bus, because you obviously have confidential talks with him as well, Paul. But like. Was there anything that just seemed obvious to you without conversation with Paul? Like, did you watch any of his rounds or anything? No, I mean, okay. so my first round, I teed off at 120. So I had played most of the course before he was done. And then my other rounds after that, dude, it's such a hike out there. And one of the reasons why we didn't all go out and watch afterwards is because the staff was trying to keep people off the course. Like, once you finish your round, head home, go yeah. out, you know, yeah. leave the course, whatever, which... COVID-19. You know, yeah, which, uh, honestly, though, that course is pretty monstrous to just but continuously hike. Paul did not have any blow up holes that I was aware of. In fact, I think it was the last round. I I don't even know there might have been one bogey, but it was pretty bogey free all of his rounds. Yeah. Not very many birdies. Is he what just I saw. he said he bars. wasn't putting well, which okay. if you're not putting well, you're not shooting 10 11 down. Who's your um yes, that's true. So who's your surprise tournament finish in the MPO? Surprise like surprise. hey, wow, like you didn't expect it, but you played really well. Hmm. Do you have one? I got one. Well, here. all right, I got one, Ricky. Really? And I'll say that, that because explain of that how Ricky's year has been going with the Lyme disease and everything like that. But he does seem like he's doing better with it. And uh, no, that was pretty surprising because the last couple of tournaments too, he's actually been playing really well lately, which is, you know, it's cool to see because we love seeing the Paul battles, the Ricky battles, the Eagle mm -hmm. battles. Um, obviously, Eagle winning the tournament his first year out there. I mean, it's. No surprise that he could do it, but he he did it. You know, that's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, like, but I he just, did it. So that's yeah. your surprise finish, Ricky. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would say Ricky most of all. There's a name I'm going to throw out who I'll say very few people will know, and if they do, it's probably because he's local to them. Um, his name is Elijah Bickle. He ended in a tie for 51st place. Here's why it matters to me. At Kids Disc Golf, we run the premier competition at the U.S. Junior Championship. And last year, it was at Smuggler's Notch. And Elijah came in his, I believe, his final year of uh, junior divisions, the age-protected junior divisions. And he won the MJ18 U.S. title last year. Incredibly talented player, rated 1,017. Okay, so there's other players who are that age, probably in 1,017. But he just took down a B tier in the Pro Open, averaging 1,000 rated golf. And probably most impressive to me was his fourth place finish. And this was at a recent tournament that Ricky played, Girthy, Barsby, all these players, right? He took fourth place. The field of players, as I said, was Wysocki, Girthy, Montgomery, Barsby, Queen. He had to average 1,021 to get that fourth place. Like, that's who he is. But I feel like 
51st. He said he wasn't happy with it, but yeah. it looked like he beat he beat some notable players. Yeah. So I, that was a surprise. That's a random. I don't want to call it dark horse, but that was a random pick. Could be kind of a dark horse pick. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to FPO, Nick. What did you have to shoot, or what did you have to to get for rating to win average? So the average to win FPO was 985, which is awesome because Paige is just continuing to climb the FPO rating up and up and up, which is super cool. Um, the average rating to cash at that event was 920. And let's see. Most notable players? Do you have a couple? Or do you want me to keep going? Um, I think that the most notable FPO who didn't cash, okay, at D-Glow, Rebecca Cox, Hannah McBeth, uh, Chris, it's Christine, right? Christine Jennings? Yep. Yeah. Those three, I felt like when you looked at who beat them, it was a little surprising that they didn't cash. That's, yep. that's my thought on as far as notable who didn't cash. So the biggest disappointment as far as FPO goes, um, I feel like Lisa Fakus. She just came out of um, one big, of those. Yeah, big silver series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she won. She beat Paige fair and square. <laughs> um, it could be argued was Paige playing her best. I can say Paige was trying her best. At least that's the appearance. Yep. Um, so good job to Lisa coming in here. It was a little surprising. I forget now what her placement was. I looked it up. But or Lisa? Yeah, I don't know that I'm she even sure. cashed. I'll look it up quick. I don't even know that she cashed. Although she, I didn't list her name in that listing there. Maybe she was like 10th or something. She was... Oh, hold on. Sorry. All right, Nick's looking it up. She was tied for 11th. She did make cash, $415. Okay, tied for 11th. Yep. So she shot 11th one, one over overall. 11th place. Yeah. So that's kind of, to me, that was kind of the biggest disappointment. Yeah, especially, especially off of a big win that she just mm -hmm. had where she looked very smooth, very confident. She does have a decent power um, power game to her. So I don't think distance was necessarily the issue with it, but I'm not sure. So what do you have as your most impressive finish for the FPO? Like surprise. I think I have the same one as you because I've actually <laughs> I've never met her and I've heard her name before, but I've never seen her play. But Ellen Widboom, she got second. Yes. And I didn't realize, but she smashes forehands. Yeah. And I think that kind of like the funniest thing I saw is one of the rounds she shot, was it five down, four or five down, where she had like three to five bogeys. And uh the Pro Tour came out with that funny. Uh, funny picture and it was a quote of her saying bogeys are dumb and so i looked up around and she had a couple bogeys and i was like dang she would have shot like eight down with no bogeys which would have just been absolutely insane <laughs> but um yeah she crushes the forehand and uh no she was definitely that kind of impressive in the the one who impressed me the most i would say yeah and so i have her also as mm -hmm. my most impressive finish uh, and then alan widmo there's also one other i want to say heather young prodigy sponsored um i think from the carolinas somewhere in that area but um she's a lefty which that course i would say definitely does help out mm -hmm. with a lefty but um she's not a big power thrower but she's an insanely good putter and i think she had won the disc golf pro tour putting invitational that they did okay so that that was another dark horse pick that she kind of did very well especially i think she shot even the first round and then a couple down and then a couple down like she just slowly crept her way back into you know i think maybe a top five finish if <laughs> i'm not mistaken 
Okay. I might be mistaken. You might be mistaken. And Nope, uh, sixth. She was one stroke out of fifth place. Haley King got fifth. Okay. So that is um, our, realistically, that's going to be our takes on yeah. uh, the Disc Golf Great Lakes Open, or Discraft Great Lakes Open. Yeah. I'm kind of stuttering here because we've got someone in our green room right now who I'm trying to get lined up to come on the yeah. show. If you and... saw Matt and I looking at our phones, we were literally, you know, like Conus <laughs> texting both of us like, all right, guys, come on. I'm sitting here. I'm ready to go. Let's get me on the show. I got things to say. So now we're super excited, but we do have Kona coming on the show. And as we are talking to her, um, since we didn't get to do really do a sound check with her at the beginning, we are going to kind of be monitoring all of our levels with that. So bear yeah. with us if the sound volume's a little off. But we'll to get our podcast listeners, you guys realize you're getting a live recorded show. This is not yeah. edited like those fine polished podcasts. We think you enjoy it, so we're ready to bring Kona in. So let's go ahead and do that. Let me make sure her audio is here. Kona, you should be good. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Yeah, check, there check, you go. Check. Oh, there we go. You're on. Awesome. Perfect. So uh, how are you doing, Kona? It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, doing great, dude. We're in Ohio. We have an off week for the first time in like five weeks. Uh, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's we have nice such an off kind of season. Uh, it's been a weird yeah. season. Like during quarantine, dude, we were itching to get out. And now that it's like <laughs> we're out, it's like, whew, I need like a break. Yep. I need some mental chill, you know? So, yeah. Well, We've got a lot of things that we want to talk to you about, but let me just say, first of all, I met you, I think when you were, I'm going to take a stab at it. We were like 17 years old. I was 17 or 18. It would have been, yeah. been 2016. So however old you were four years ago. <laughs> okay. I'm 21 right now. Do some math. 16, well, I, I don't... <laughs> 4, 21, 17, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So 17. Yep. And I was actually reminiscing with Nick on this. I think when I met you, you had just woken up from a nap and you came into my front door and we're like, hey, are you hungry? Like, do you want tacos or something? And yeah. you're like, you were like literally like that moment of like, I'm just tired, man. Yeah. Like, just like, I'm tired. Yeah. I probably, I probably just got done napping at no, you didn't. Carl's house. Yeah. And because their lovely family let me stay with them. And then Hannah ditched me, I think. And so Nick Carl was driving me around everywhere. At a nice fat uh, so yellow shout taxi out, on shout top out of my Nick car. Carl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was. Yeah. Shout out Nick Carl. I don't know how it would have gotten to the cut into the course on that one. <laughs> so Uber wasn't really a big thing back then. And we don't have no, Uber at my house. So. <laughs> I could have walked. They could have walked that far. Uh, it's, it's a little much. I'm pretty man. sure Eagle, when he stayed at my house a year after, he got so mad at one of his rounds that he ran home. And I'm pretty sure someone had passed by and it was like, <laughs> I think my dad or something like that passed by. He was like, do you want to ride home? And Eagle's like, nope, I got to run this one. I think. So, I think. so Kona, when you came on the show, I can't lie. Our numbers just boosted like, boom, we've got a lot more live Heck people. Yeah. So. This Shout is, out to all the live people just coming in. Yeah, yeah, coming in to see Kona. We had some people on earlier like, hey, my phone's... Oh, we're seeing now your oh. kitchen and whatnot. That's cool. Your phone... I, we have people jumping on being like, oh, my phone's dying. Say hi to Kona for me. I'm like, she doesn't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got people excited you're on tonight. So let's just get right into it. I did as much research as I could on the public internet forums to find out what I could about you to ask you some good questions. And we did put out a post earlier asking for some feedback. So on your website, you say that you grew up around disc golf and that you first remember playing around seven years old. 
your dad was a TD and all that kind of stuff when you were growing up. What kind of memories do you have growing up in the disc golf lifestyle? So like my son's growing up in that and I'll be able to ask him this question later in life. Like, how was it for you? Do you just remember it being a part of your life? And like, do you remember a time before disc golf? Um, honestly, I don't remember a time before disc golf. And I think a lot of people kind of get shocked when they hear like, oh, you've only been competing for like, you know, four or five years. Because technically, yes, I've been competing for four or five years, but it's been like at like the top level. Um, I've been playing disc golf my whole life. So like you said, my daddy was a TD. He um, helped co-found the um, disc golf club in Colorado called uh, Mile High Disc Golf. So, you know, growing up, I was constantly surrounded by disc golfers. And I like to think that, you know, I think that helped get me comfortable in the sport because, you know, I was surrounded by very encouraging old men. Um, <laughs> That's so, awesome. You know, like I like a lot of women nowadays who are getting into the sport, you know, it's kind of it's tough because, um, you know, it's not like they're with their dad and can just go out and play. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? So I think being able to grow up the way I did around disc golf was very helpful for me. And, you know, like I said, being surrounded by that really great disc golf community was, you know, the best. Yeah, for sure. I remember seeing a video of, uh, you might have posted this, it was like a throwback Thursday, but it was of your throwing form back when you were way younger. It might have been your first ace, actually. And it was just like the funniest follow through. But everyone, you're playing with a, like a group of five people and everyone was just ecstatic what happened. So that it was pretty cool. But it's cool to see the evolution of your throw. Because I had never... I know. I might have heard of you from Hannah, but before you had stayed at my parents' house in 2016, I had never seen you play. And then you stepped up to hole one at Maple Hill, which for the FPO, they play pretty much the blue layout on that one. So it's from the blue tee pad to the gold's basket. And I was like, oh, she might just bail out left like a lot of people do. And now she like crushed an AJ destroyer just straight up over the water, like smashed it. And I was like, okay, she's a real deal. This is awesome. So, I I can also say fun, <laughs> fun first memory. We don't want to over talk, but I can remember thinking my first memory is wow, that girl can crush. Yeah. So, but yes, not that not thanks, to not, then then yeah. you ran through Maple Hill and you're like wow, there's a lot of trees. <laughs> yeah, I just okay. And Dude, so that, I was in I was in dead last at that tournament. I was I was struggling. <laughs> at that tournament that was my first like yeah. not first but like you know that was yeah. my first kind of experience in the woods yeah so but that you, bur you birdied yeah. hole eight and 14 two of the water holes so that was pretty sweet i remember that <laughs> you've made an impression on nick that's well, awesome. yeah, I, I remember because i actually i walked her around with her and uh no it was, it was just cool awesome. but anyways so you grew up in colorado you talked about how your dad kind of like co-founded the club up there you had great times you still have family out there but recently, as of the last maybe few years, your family has moved out to California. Your dad works at Innova. How has that change been going from the Colorado disc golf scene in the offseason to the California disc golf scene in the offseason? Is it easy, as everybody says, to just integrate into a different disc golf community? <laughs> um, I think my camera is but lagging. You're, you're, so we're I'm still hearing your audio. We're still hearing your audio. Um, okay. 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 So, um, honestly, it was not very easy coming from Colorado to California. Uh, I realized that the, um, clubs there are, I, I hate to say clickish. 
Um, but it was definitely hard for me to find a club. So I'm part of the Inland Empire Club. And I'm not even that, in that home that often. So it's kind of hard for me to be super, um, you know, uh, into that. Club. I'm not even there after the from Colorado where I knew absolutely everyone. You know, it was almost like family. It was definitely tough going from Colorado to California. And there's not a lot of women in my area in California. And so that's something I, I'm going to hope, hopefully work on here in the next few years hopefully get more women out playing but it's definitely tough being so far away from one another like we like we have to drive an hour to even get yeah. like close to women in my gotcha, area gotcha. do you gotcha. feel and you just kind of mentioned it there and uh do you feel a pressure as a female competitor or a, a leader in the disc golf you know world to bring women because that's who you are do you feel a, uh, like just an inherent pressure for that or is that uh, something that you like know, but I see it's important, so I want to do it. Like, which way does it go? Um, I mean, being a woman, I think I just have this. I feel like I have to try and get more women involved, just because you know, not only will it help me in the future, you know, because obviously the FPO division will grow if we get more women. So not only will that help with sponsorships and money and payout in the future, because that's important, but I just, I want to, I want to play with more women. I know that sounds so funny, but there's not a lot of us out there. I mean, obviously touring, it's tough because we got to have the sponsors. We got to have the money. And, you know, I'm very thankful for all my sponsors and everything, but it's like, um, you know, we don't have a lot of women out there playing. I play with the mm -hmm. same women every week. No, no offense to them at all. They're all literally my friends. But, dude, I, I love seeing different women's form, different women's putting style, you know? Like, okay, I'm throwing a forehand on this, and this girl's about to chuck, like, a sick flex backhand. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like seeing those different shots and seeing other women get as excited as I do when I check a, for, yeah. like, check a disc, you know? Um, so it's, I, I, I just, I don't feel pressure. I just, I want to see more chicks <laughs> checking yeah. some discs. Yeah, you know? I think for sure. it would be, it would be great for the sport. I just didn't know. Cause I am obviously I'm not a woman. I just like, Hey, like it's a different thing for me to consider growing it. And like, why do I feel an inherent, like just in me to do that? And I didn't know from your perspective with that. So mm -hmm. thank you about sharing that. Um, so what I found out mm -hmm. about you online is that, and I think this is close to when, again, you came out to Maple Hill in 2016, 2015 is when, as far as I could tell, you were still playing amateur, but you started competing more. And this is off of your website. Maybe it's not correct, but maybe it is. What were the circumstances that led you to start playing pro and then to tour? Because 2015, you started competing more. You were an am, you won some am tournaments. What was that switch that turned you saying, all right, I got to play pro and then maybe I should take this on the road? So it, my website should be correct. 2015, I was playing, I think I played my first AM Worlds. Where was it? 16. It might have been 16. Um, my first AM Worlds. And <clears throat> there was something about the competition that, not that I didn't like about Advanced, but that I wasn't getting from Advanced. So like when I would play Advanced, like a lot of, the women I would play with, or of course, girls back then, I don't know, um, like they wouldn't take the, take the, um, the rules mm. very seriously. One of the subjects we have later. <laughs> and, We're actually going to yeah. talk about that later. Rules. Okay. Ooh, ooh. 
Um, so I, I played my, like a, an advanced tournament in Phoenix. It was my first real big tournament out of Colorado. My dad and I made a big trip out of it and I was, <clears throat> and I won it and I got that, like, you know, that adrenaline feeling. I made a putt to win it all. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like, I love this feeling and I want to keep doing it. How can I get better at doing this and, you know, compete against other women? And, you know, I had a long talk with my parents and I was like, you know, I think I want to do FPO because I'm only going to get better that way. I'm only going to see better shots that way, you know, other than mm -hmm. YouTube. I can watch all the YouTube of Paige Pierce in the world, but not seeing it in person and like, you know, seeing their line in person, it's not going to, it's not going to click, you know? So playing with people better than me, seeing what they're doing that I'm not, whether it's my game plan or the shots I'm throwing, that definitely moved me from advanced to FPO. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready at all to be in FPO, but I knew that for me to get where I wanted to be, I had to move up. So are you telling me if I want to go from am to pro, like I should just move up? Like, <laughs> and th that is a whole conversation because like, <laughs> Locally, yes. Nick, no, yes. He Nick's telling me locally yeah. I should, but I'm locally. like, I want a real chance to win. Okay, it's not about me tonight. On a scale of one to ten, how competitive would you describe yourself? With one being like, I, I don't care at all. Like a board game losing is like, hey, eh, whatever. <laughs> ten being like, I lost a board game. I'm flipping the table. Well, it depends what board Uno. game. Uno. Um, but is Uno but even a board Uno, game? dude. If I'm losing Uno, I'm I'm pretty competitive. I would say I'm a seven point five. Seven point five. But I'm not like, but I'm not like an angry competitive person. Like if I lose, I'll be pretty like sassy about it. But you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin everybody else's night. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's well, that's, that's very that's nice a good way to put it. Yeah. That's very nice of you. I like that. So. <laughs> In the disc golf world, how competitive do you feel? Do you feel you're at that solid, you know, I'm competitive every single week, week in and week out? Or do you kind of have weeks where you feel a little off and so your competitive nature isn't as high as you'd like it to be? Mm. Dude, honestly, the past five weeks, and that's why I told you guys at the beginning of the show, mm -hmm. it's been a nice week off because my mind, had, my mental state has been overcome with competitiveness mm. like that i like dude when it's the week of the tournament it's monday wednesday monday through wednesday it's i'm practicing like at least play two to three rounds and then like thursday is my off day if we're playing a dgpt and friday saturday sunday i'm waking up i'm thinking about disc golf i'm eating breakfast me that i know <laughs> will help me with my round I'm eating a lunch that I know will fuel me for my round. And since we've had this teeing off super late stuff, I'm like, yeah. it's, it's constant. Like right before my round, I'm visualizing, I'm rolling out, I'm stretching, I'm doing my bands, mm -hmm. and then I'm playing. And then when I'm done, it's 830 and I'm trying to get dinner and I'm going to sleep to do it all again the next day. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you kind of like briefly – what do you think about the later tea times? Cause, and I'll say this, I teed off late my first day. It was nice. And then the other two days this I'm used to it. I teed off earlier than I would like to, but we waited around one of the days for Hannah to finish up obviously. Cause we all wanted to go get food after. And all of a sudden it was like six at night or whatever, or seven at night. And we're just like, dang, like 
This is insane. Yeah. I, I personally don't mind going off. Mm -hmm. Like I like going off early because I'm already a morning person. Like I'm yeah. up, like, let's get it over with. Let's get it before yeah. all the wind is, all the wind is here. Mm -hmm. Let's just do it. Um, but I will say not having to deal with wet discs, not having to deal with wet tea pads has been like awesome. Life-changing. Yeah. Cause I remember, you know, on, um, what was it? Sunday before the final round, uh, after my round, I helped out at the Discraft Fly Mart that they were doing and who beside me was Paige Pierce just rocking it. Like literally, you know, selling discs, talking to people about disc golf, signing discs. And she was there to like an hour before her tea time. And yeah. I'm like, it's crazy because me for work, I wake up pretty early. So when I'm up past a certain time, I kind of get a little groggy, like that one o'clock, two o'clock, I start to feel a little, you know, slow down a little bit. And so for the FBO players who for the last few years have really spent time waking up early, they have those wet morning rounds, you know, it's unfortunate, but then all of a sudden, boom, change it in one year. Now, all of a sudden you guys are teeing off late in the afternoon to where by the time you're done, it's dinner time. So pretty crazy. Yeah. You, yeah. your experience on tour is obviously it, it changes and the, the disc golf, uh, tour changes over the years since even you started. Um, I think an interesting question, I hope it's interesting. It, disc golf is fairly a relatively new option as, and I'm going to call it a career choice. It's fairly new where people even can have that opportunity. What do you, do you have any considerations for backup plans and where might you see yourself in 10 years? Like, so right now it's what you've chosen. Do you have a backup plan and where might you see yourself in 10 years? So it's funny. I'm talking to you guys about this because <laughs> Nate Sexton, we had a practice round. I don't know if you remember this, Nick. We had a practice round yeah. with him, Hannah and Paul. Do you remember and me getting an ace on hole eight? Cause I do. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not worth remembering. Oh my so, gosh. Boom roasted anyway. Sorry. I have to roast, <laughs> All right, I have go to ahead. roast Nick at least once. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the round, Nate looks at me, obviously this is 2015, 16 Kona. So she's not playing so hot. And Nate Sexton's like, so like, what do you, you're going to school. I was obviously still in high school. He's yeah. like, you're going to college. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm really in between what I want to do with my life. I don't know if I want to go to college or blah, blah, blah. And he, like, looks at me and he's like, you know what? One day in the future, you should probably go back to college. He's like, education is so great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I really took that to heart because, one, it's Nate Sexton. You know, mm -hmm. of course, I'm like, oh, this dude is sick. Yeah. And, two, it was just like, you know what? You're right. I, It's something I've always wanted to do anyways. So in the future, I definitely see myself going back to college um but also you know what disc golf has opened so many doors for me mm -hmm. not only just through disc golf but the people i've met through disc golf so you know it's it's honestly an open book here in the future and that's that's pretty cool you know that's pretty yep. sweet that i can kind of figure that out later on and i'm only 21 so those of you who say that i'm doing crazy oh, stuff with my future <laughs> i'm still a baby and I still believe that life is short. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can and yeah. we'll figure that stuff out. And later. you're living the dream. I mean, you're traveling around in a van playing disc golf. I mean, there are <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the country who would kill to be doing that. But yeah. other than disc golf, you're also kind of known for being an artist. You have been <laughs> killing it 
with the drawings, the paintings, people's discs. The Sharpie, it's, the Sharpie artwork that yeah. the lately with the metallic Sharpies. Okay, how do we get one? Got, oh, she's yeah, got yeah, one. wait, how do we get one of these? Oh, there's yeah. the Sharpies. Yeah. So, how do we, how do we get one of those? Do you commission your artwork? What is it with art? Have you always done that one day you took a Sharpie and said, "Hey, I'm just going to start putting ink on discs." Like, what's that? Is it past the time on your travels? Um, it's it's funny. Like it started out as just like I was messing around with a black Sharpie and was just messing around. They were, they were very ugly. I remember I, it's funny in recent months or in the recent years, Simon Lazat has like been like, Oh, your, your sharp, your drawings are looking a lot better. They weren't very good at the beginning, like straight up. <laughs> He's so brutally honest. <laughs> so I'm like, thanks Simon. I'm glad they're looking better. Oh. Um, but it started off as something I just did in the front seat while Colton drove. And then it turned into this thing where, of course, you know, Instagram stories, everybody was like, dude, in the past two days, the one I posted, I think yesterday, the past two days, I've probably gotten 30 messages from people asking for a commission. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Dude, as much as I would love to, I don't have any, for my people who would like one, I don't have any product right now to sell. So yeah. I don't have anything I could draw on. Um, and two, it's the shipping stuff out. So that's something yes. we have to do. Yep. I have to like have Colton drive me somewhere and do it. So I'm not doing them at the moment unless it's like for a special occasion. I have done some for a birthday or two recently, but at the moment we're just chilling. And I think off season is when I'll like dive into that. But dude, I've, I've taken like all the art classes in high school. Like I've always, it's always been a family thing. Like my, my parents are very artistic. So yeah. Yeah. it's a family affair. Awesome. Nice. I think that was one of the things. So like, I was having this like blast from the past. You talked about like Nate Sexton. Now this is like behind closed doors. Like what we talked about. Do you remember going over to like get ice cream one night with Nate, me and Nick? We and do you remember the conversation that came up? It no, was like, I don't remember the conversation. Okay. It was like, is God real? And then like Nate's like giving his oh, whole God. opinion on it. <laughs> and like that. Nick's chiming oh, in God, and like, yes. we're talking this like. This is after I just got back from Bible school. And so I was like, yo, I know yes. everything about this. We're and... talking. I can just remember it yeah. was epic. And Kona's sitting there like quiet. Like this is like probably kind of awkward. Yeah. And I remember being like, we got to turn this conversation to like include Kona. Yeah. So I'm like, Kona, like, what do you like to do besides disc golf? And you're like, I don't know. And then Nate's like, come on, tell like you like photography and stuff or art. And you're like, yeah, I like art. So like, that's cool. I'm putting it all together now. That's cool. That's cool. Oh my gosh. Throwback. Oh my yeah, right. Ice cream. I forgot, yeah. I, I totally forgot. When I, was I did too. I did too. So go ahead. Nate. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so we're kind of, we're slowly creeping up on a thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel. And what I would love to do is get one of your new signature series discs, which is the emperor. Mm -hmm. How do we get that? We need to find out how to get that. We need to somehow send it out to you. Have you do some <laughs> sick drawing on it? Like maybe create... Nick and Matt logo. Yeah, I, would, I would love to do the Nick and Matt show logo. Okay, cool. And then that That'd would go in as part of the, you know, and then we'll add in some of the hot cocoa stickers you guys got. Matt and I will fund the whole thing. We'll pay for shipping and all that. And uh, no, I think that would actually be really cool for our thousand subscriber giveaway. That might be 10 years from now. We don't know. But... <laughs> I hope not. No. Not when Kona yeah. comes on the show. We're going to get another 200 this week. So that's what we're All right. Uh, so here. Yeah, go ahead. But about the but about the emperor, I am hoping to get a shipment of those in like 50 or like 100 of those to have with me on the road. So when I do, I'll hit you up. Hopefully you'll have some. 
if MVP is still going on. Hopefully you'll have some. Man, I can find something that's sick and yada, yada, yada. Okay. You got it. <clears throat> Very cool stuff. I want to turn it to a few other things before we talk about your performance at D-Glow. And one of them is, I actually think this was part of that conversation too. When we said like, what do you like to do? And social media came up and you were a 17 year old girl. I feel like social media is pretty just like normal, but like you are very, um, you have a very strong social media presence. You're doing a very good job. And I think even, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there was another conversation we had at one point where you were like, uh, or maybe I just overheard it. Maybe that's creep or weird. I don't remember. It was something about like, hey, like I, I need to post like regular. My dad says this because your dad's pretty good at social media too. And like, here's what I need to do. How much? That takes a lot of work. Like this is coming from someone who has maybe half the followers you have. And I like, I run kids disc golf and Instagram and Facebook. And now we're doing this. It's just like an epic amount of work that I don't think anybody realizes what it actually takes. They think it's just a picture posting up. Can you tell us like how much time realistically, I, I mean, it'll, it probably won't be surprising to me, but I think people want to know how much time do you spend? Does going into social media take for you and how important is that? Like, what does it take? yeah that's a social media dude with with everything going on lately i haven't been wanting to be on it but with you know obviously with disc golf i have to be and i like to give i like to give social media a lot of credit as to why i am sponsored by innova um when i reached out i reached out to prodigy discs first and um, I reached out to Will Schustrick and he told me it was 2015 and he told me I didn't have an ex enough experience. I hadn't played enough events and I haven't won and like hadn't won enough events. And I was like, OK, that kind of sucks because I was like really digging, I think, the M4 or something. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to Innova next and I reached out to Jonathan Poole and I mentioned, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to play advanced. I want to do this. And also. I'm really getting into this social media thing. And at that time, my dad and I were going out every single week, almost like you and Hunter, Matt, you know, every single week doing videos, taking pictures, getting good content and, you know, little, you know, 17, eight year old, 18 year old Kona kind of just treated it like something fun. I was already doing social media for my other account that had like 50,000 followers at the time. It was just my lifestyle account. It was solely based off of fashion and lifestyle and fun and it was just stuff that my dad and I did so then transitioning to disc golf it was pretty simple because I already knew what I needed to do it's funny I was in high school it was my senior year and my friends were like why are you posting at 7 30 a.m you know like how weird and it was just like hey dude I got people in Texas who see this at you know whatever time I got yeah. people in India who see this at a different time so that's the that's when I post so it was already kind of funny back then. And then when I transferred it to disc golf, I made that other account. So I made that Kona underscore disc. And ever since then, it's, I mean, I don't even know how many posts I have, but I have so many and it's an everyday thing. I try to make it, but Man. I do not post if I do not have good content. So I don't think I posted yesterday you. and it's just like, dude, if I don't have a good video or if I don't have anything interesting to say, I'm not posting because it mm -hmm. doesn't make sense for me to post bad content. Yeah. And to be completely honest, it's an everyday ordeal. So it's like every day I'm getting up, what am I posting? Why am I posting? And, you know, all that. It's it's a lot. And you know what? Some people are like, oh, it's too much. But to be completely honest, if you have something to say, 
people like hearing what you have to say and it's interesting content, people are going to listen, people are going to follow. And if you actually care to post every single day, you're going to get a great fan base, dude. My, my, my fan base is insane. I have so many awesome supporters and they're all off of social media. Yep. Man, can, did the addition of stories in the past, I don't know how many years, it, it's, it's more recent than social media in general. Yep. Did the addition of stories create more work because now it's yet another place to post or did it make in a lot of ways easier for you? What, what do you think? Um, I think it made it easier to sell product. So with the swipe up, people can just see like, I have a lot of people posting about my emperors right now, which is so cool. Keep on sharing them. I love seeing it. But what's really cool about stories is I can share, you know, their post or their story, and then I can do a swipe up. So not only are people seeing other people using my product or my emperor, Chuck and my emperor and seeing it crush and go far, but also they're able to swipe up and go directly to the link. So I'm able to sell things faster that way. I'm also able to share more uh, disc golf content. So like when Innova shares like um, Madison Walker's lighter weights, uh, lighter drivers, YouTube video i can simply post you know on my story swipe up to check this out and it's an easier way for people to um find these other articles and other videos that maybe they wouldn't have found if they wouldn't have checked out my story so the stories are actually really cool and it's actually where i put more of my content and more of my daily life because it's 24 hours you know it's not there forever it's 24 hours and it's gone and that's what's really nice about it It doesn't flood your feed yeah I've always liked the stories and I think, you know, you kind of nailed it when you're talking with Prodigy or talking with Innova on how one of kind of your selling points was, hey, I really want to get involved in the social media aspect of it as well. And for a lot of companies, as a startup player trying to get sponsored by that company, social media is a huge kind of um, like talking point that you can use for yourself. And uh, Matt's always been actually my social media person, helps me out with pictures (laughs) Helps me out with the right words to say. Like, I'm so illiterate sometimes that I'm like, hey, man, what do you think? You know, when I got sponsored by the underground team and he's like, oh, dude, you're kind of illiterate in like eight different spots <laughs> no. of this. No, I'm just kidding. No. But I, um, I do no, like Matt, to help make him content. Yeah. Um, Whenever we go out for a round, Matt's either taking videos. He took the sickest practice video of Paul, Adam Hammes, and uh, myself oh, right. back at MVP <laughs> last year. It's insane what this dude can do. And I've always, you know, since I met your dad, your dad's one of the nicest people in the world, Kona. Like, if he ever watches this episode he is he's the man he's just such a cool dude but wholly talented with social media and photography it's mind-boggling and he's just a great guy did he teach you (laughs) or let me just pose this to you forget him you're on the show do you look at your social media analytics and actually like try to understand them and use them to help better your audience or is that kind of like just I'm not really interested in the analytics. When I first started out, I was very obsessed with like views and likes and what time I was posting, what day I was posting. I was very in tune with that stuff. And I probably couldn't be more in tune with that stuff. But as the years have gone by and as I keep doing the social media stuff, you know, it's definitely, it takes a, it takes a toll on the, on the body, you know, and especially when I'm getting, like I, I woke up this morning to at least 30 message requests and like 10 regular messages. Like I'm, I'm constantly getting, which I love, don't get me wrong. I love all the questions. <laughs> I love being able to like talk to all my people, 
but it's a lot, you know, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's, that's just part of the job, you know, and um, what's cool about disc golf and what's cool about social media is that anyone can just message us and ask a question, which is pretty sweet. Like if you did, yeah. if you like message Jordan Spieth for golf tips, I bet you he's not getting back to you or <laughs> even reading it. Probably not. So that's what's pretty cool about disc golf is people are yeah. able to contact us on social media and we're able to really talk to them and go through all that stuff. But man, dude, it, it, it's a lot. I mean, Eagle, I posted uh, after he won Deeklo, he had 99 plus friend. That's all it shows you is 99 plus uh, message requests in his Instagram. And like you're saying, I mean, I always appreciated it when I was kind of a novice player getting into the scene of, you know, I could message a pro saying, hey, man, what do you throw for sidearms? Like that was before commentary came out with videos. And so you didn't really know what they were throwing. And so it was like, you know, hey, what are you throwing for these flip up forehands or whatever? And every so often you would get a top level pro who would actually respond to it. And it's very, very, um, it's very, very nice of them to go and do that. Um, for, like I said, for amateur players, it's cool to be able to talk. And that's what makes this golf kind of different from a lot of other sports is that, you know, Paul, Kona, Eagle, all these guys, you know, all these guys and girls, whenever a post is shared with them tagged in it, they're putting it up on their story. Well, and how awesome is that? Like, you know, oh, I just posted Paul McBeth's Luna and he shared my post on his story. Like we, we he, even have people commenting live Conor, like she always gives a thumbs up when I post something, yeah. good luck or congratulations. And like, that's what you're talking about. That other professional sports, it it's rare. And if that actually happens, like you're going out and celebrating with dinner that yeah, night. Like, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Last question before we get into the D glow performance talk, but playing and practicing with Colton. You guys are obviously traveling the road together. You guys are a couple. You guys are both pretty <laughs> awesome. Playing with Colton, he had the big win in Waco. Um, do you feel like that improves your game? And, you know, how often, if ever, have you beaten him in a casual round? Come on. Because I know you guys have posted on Instagram that you would go out and find this random, like, six <laughs> or nine-hole course, and you'd be posting your scores. And how often does that happen? So lately, well, since the season kind of started back up, we haven't been able to do our three disc challenges. Yeah. Um, I love our three disc challenges. And I think I beat him a solid two times. <laughs> two out of four times, he's, right? Yeah. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but, two crushes. Um, but back to what you were saying. Um, I don't, in Simon's vlog, um, I yes, actually mentioned. Love that. I mentioned that I, I kind of love playing with the guys. And at first, to be completely honest, it was very tough for me to play with guys, especially when I was first like getting comfortable with my form and when I was figuring out my forehand and my putt, I was kind of embarrassed. Like I played a practice round with, I can remember it because I was so embarrassed, um, with Paul, AB, and Nate Sexton. I played with them, just them, no other women at Memorial. And it was like, one of my first years on Innova, I think it was my first year. And I remember I didn't want to putt <laughs> because I was so nervous and I was so embarrassed. And, um, you know, I think, I think it came with confidence playing with, with men and with people better than me, mm -hmm. just knowing I'm going to get better and like watching them, I will get better. But nowadays I love playing with the guys because 
you know, I really try and push myself when it comes to like throwing far. And obviously I take myself back and I, you know, I have my notebook. So I'm actually going through my head. What are you actually going to throw on this hole? Where are the other women actually going to land? But he pushes me to throw these shots that I probably wouldn't throw if I was playing with other women, Mm -hmm. which I personally love because like, you know, I'm seeing different parts of my game that I like usually wouldn't see. But I will say I do go out with like my, my three chicks, you know, my, my uh, Rebecca Cox, my Deanne and like Jessica and like we all go play and I see where I stand with them too. So I'm able to see, you know, what they're doing, but then I have Colton over here pushing me to do stuff more aggressive, which I dig. Which is cool. Yeah. You're definitely learning different parts of the game that potentially you could be the best at being able to do those shots because now you're consistently practicing them with a player who's pushing you to do that. So I think there's definitely benefits of practicing with FPO players and MPO players. Like I practice with Paul and Brody and play to practice around with AB and they obviously, they crush further than me. They do certain things better than I do, but I will say going out and just doing a fun practice round with Hannah is one of my favorite things to do because it's just, it's more because it's Hannah. Let's yeah, just be honest. Yeah. Because it's Hannah for one. And it's, it's more of like a casual round where it's like, you're just enjoying playing disc golf together and you are working on things the only thing is if i get a birdie on a hole and she pars it <laughs> she jumps the box every <laughs> single time you okay. can never you can never tee first with hannah all right all right <laughs> no, but anyways deglo talk now so here's the deal you've demonstrated so many times this year and i say so many times the year has been really crazy so it seems like so many times because there haven't been like a crazy amount of events but the last 3 and i think even the pdga posted this about you the other day the last 3 events that you played your first round was so good that you found yourself on the lead card um that's pretty good um i think i might have even filmed one of the rounds where you made lead card out at lvc at las vegas um i think that was round 2 Um, and so what is contributing to this? I don't know if you consider it success, but I'm going to say success of shooting the round good enough to make lead card, but what's contributing to that success specifically? So with LVC, I like to contribute my putt. I figured out a little bit more of my putt, uh, during the off season. So winter time I played well, I think I, what I take, did I take third? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I have really bad memory. Um, And then I went to LVC and, you know, that's the first big event of the year. And that's always one of my favorites just because it's a long bomber kind of course. Um, But I think during that second round, I had a lot of issues off the tee, which usually I don't have. Um, I had some grip issues. I had some weird drive issues and um, I don't know what that was, but (laughs) I like to contribute after quarantine, my putt, in my drive have grown confidence and distance and accuracy and more consistency after playing in Colorado. I like to give Colorado a huge shout out because um, I figured this out when I was younger, but I'm just now realizing how important it is. I threw at elevation during quarantine Mm. and having to throw at, you know, 5280 or whatever, Um, it really forced me to get over on my discs. And so having to do that to like, because I have to like get them to fly because, you know, a destroyer I throw over here on the East coast or whatever, or over wherever it's straight, it's flipping over Mm -hmm. and then it's coming out where Colorado it's straight coming out and it's 50 feet short of what I'm usually used to. 
So having to throw in Colorado, I was throwing so much harder that it fixed my timing. Like, Good. I don't know what it was. It. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm now hitting, I'm hitting my lines. They're coming out at the same spot every time. And I got at least 20 more feet in distance. Like yeah. wow. I'm, I'm able to kind of play with Paige Pierce on the distance, yeah. which is pretty sweet. Yeah. I don't so, think there's a Colorado player that doesn't throw far. It's insane. Like every single Colorado player that I've ever met just absolutely smashes. They have incredible snap. You know, Tristan Tanner, Eagle McMahon, Colton, Kona, Joe Rivera. Like there are so many of them. And wow. they just they smash. Yeah. Nick knows his Colorado peeps. So I, it's, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. It's it's like I'm about to go do an off season in Colorado. Just kidding. Because okay. there's a ton of snow. I was there. gonna say you want to get away from the snow. <laughs> Absolutely. So not. you yeah, averaged yeah, no. do you know what you averaged for a rating this week? Any guesses? No. Um, I think I feel like I averaged around what did I shoot? I wanted to say nine forty ish. Yes, nine forty three. Yeah. So you're right on. Um oh. that's what you did at D Glow. How would you describe your performance this last weekend? And um what's it gonna take to find you on the lead card final round? In fact, let me just be, you don't have to say it for yourself, but I saw like towards the end. And you kind of had some unfortunate, you know, play where it took you out of maybe that top five or top four even. Um, so it's not that you were still even out of it in the last round, but what's it going to take to get you into that final round lead card? Um, I'm going to say it for the past three events or even four events. Um, it's, it's consistency. It's stamina. It's being able to mentally compete all three days. Um, obviously, at D-Glow, that really, that ending hole, I took that seven. So at that point, I played a pretty clean round. I didn't really, I think I had like a bogey or two. And I got to hole, I just birdied hole 17. And I'm feeling pretty stoked. And, you know, I'm teeing off. And I'm, I'm literally looking. I'm like, dude. You put it right there, you pitch up, you take your three, and you are, you're great. And at this point, I'm like, I'm not even going to look at scores. I don't care where I am. I just know that I played a solid round. And then I hit the first tree off the tee, and over there, it's jail. There's no way you're getting out. So I tried to pitch out, pitched out again, couldn't get up there for the forehand, rough upshot, and then chain out for the putt. And to end that way, it really broke my heart just because – I had played so mentally tough, so focused. Every single shot, I was really in it. And um, to kind of finish, except for my putts, the putts were a myth. But, like, I was really, really upset to kind of finish that way. And obviously, I don't really care how I, like, like I care. But, like, to finish ninth was, like, cool. It was just, like, I was so – I have standards now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, have expect, I have expectations yeah. now. and. Uh, at that end of that round, I don't know if they recorded me storming off after I counted Ooh. my cards or what, but you best believe I was not stoked. Um, Hold on. You know, what happened was... to that competitor who wasn't an angry competitor? Yeah, she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't... <laughs> now but, uh... I am. Totally. Now I'm, that yeah. na- dude, now I'm like a nine, depending <laughs> yeah. on how I'm doing for yeah. sure. So, um, but set... what yeah, go ahead. Saying? Sorry. Back to what I was saying. No, what what else am I saying? No. I... What else am I saying? Yeah, what, I don't know Nick, what you're Nick, saying. Nick, what no, what else am I talking about? I'm talking about play. Yes. So. What's it going to take to get you finish, on that lead card? Yes. 
to finish on the final day on the lead card, it's going to take that consistency and it's going to take me making every single one of those inside the circle putts because obviously if you saw my UDISC stats for that first run at D-Glow, I was 100% inside the circle and I was 100% scramble. And like literally my dad texted me that night and said, this is how you will win a tournament. Mm -hmm. If you have both those things in 100%. So it's just, it's keeping the putt 100%. I'm always, that's my one thing I am always struggling with, always improving and always working on more than anything. Um, So getting that putt 100% and then just, just getting those scramble shots, that's, that's going to be it because my drives don't, they don't struggle that hard, Mm -hmm. you know? This is not to like make you knock on wood, but are we going to see you? Do you think we will? Is it in your mindset that like, I think I'm going to make a lead card final round this year? <laughs> Dude, it's ever since quarantine, I, I have the mindset awesome. to win. You know, I have the mindset of I'm going to play with Paige Pierce. I'm going to play with these other really great competitors, but like I deserve to be here. Yes. I, I've worked hard. I have put the hours in. I've spent so much time doing this. I I deserve to be here. I want to be here. And this is literally all I want. Like Perfect. this is like I, yep. I want I want to win. That's what know? I wanted to hear. <laughs> My mindset is to win. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I pre kind of messaged you earlier about this game we're gonna play. Do you have anything you'd like to final shout out before we get into the game? We're not gonna send you out immediately, but do you have anything else you want to say before we get into the game? Yeah, real quick, I'll just give a huge shout out to Innova Champion Discs. They took that they took that uh, chance on me back in the day, and ever since then, I've been nothing but grateful. They've been very supportive. And then uh, Pound Disc Golf, my signature bag with them is awesome. And it's just, you know, it's an overall, uh, overall great bag. Uh, uh, lifetime warranty, U.S. made, awesome. And then last... Huge shout out to Infinite Discs, my first ever signature series disc. Um, it's really cool to see my name on a disc and how much support they've given me and how much support, you know, everyone has given me online. And, you know, it's been amazing. So, so yeah. to pound bag over Nick's, uh, over Nick's uh, left shoulder. Nick, can you see that or let him see it? There's a pound disc golf. Oops, Oops. the other way. Yeah. Other way. There's a pound bag uh, yeah. there. So I, I support them as well. I think they're great. Just really yeah, quick before we get into the game. Too. Because I love reading the comments that people get in Daniel Reynoso. And I'm going to read this in the PG way. But uh, he goes, uh, my favorite Kona quote, I'll do the UDIS scoring. I don't want anybody messing up my stats. Effing up my stats. <laughs> yeah. I was going PG, Matt. Matt went PG-13. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But because, because some people, no offense, some of the volunteers they have, they have never used UDIS. Hap- and so... They they messed them up and I was so upset. Yeah. I'm like, bro, I was totally in. I was totally 11 to 27. I was oh, not, that's a, funny. you know, zero to 11. It happened to me because uh, we were back at Bob's house after round one or two. I think it was after round two, and I was talking about all the circle two putts that I missed. No, and, Nick's uh, like, I had to. I missed no, putts from like so, 40 feet. They're like, no, bro. No, that no, was no. Like this 20. one, hole seven. I was literally right on the line to where if I had like I I was technically in circle two. But I didn't jump on it because I was kind of level with the basket, a little bit of wind, whatever. And thank thank you to every single UDISC volunteer that was out there and every volunteer at D-Glow. You guys were incredible, made the tournament great. But you marked me down for a circle one miss and I two-putted from circle one and that's not what happened. So uh, just kidding. None of my stats were all that good this weekend. But yeah. Just okay. That's a whole other topic. We should should do that topic another time. So 
We are going to jump into this game called Judge That Disc Golfer. Conan, you're going up against Nick. Here I have is... a losing track record. Yeah, here's the, <laughs> here's the intro. Judge That Disc Golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All right. Hey, man, my name's Matt. What's your name? Michael. Michael. All right, so um, how long have you been playing disc golf for, Michael? Uh, probably like three years. I've been good for maybe like a couple weeks. <laughs> a couple weeks. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, can you tell me, do you have a PDGA rating? Negative. Okay. And if I did, it wouldn't be in the negatives. <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever played in a tournament before? Uh, I've played in a music festival disc golf tournament. Disc Jam, Stevenstown, New York, back when that was in its heyday. Okay. Didn't Greg Barsby come out to that one year? Were you oh, yeah. there for that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And um, so you've been playing about three years, good recently. Do you know the pro scene at all? Yeah. All right. Uh, who's, your, who's your favorite professional disc golfer? Oh, geez. I mean, I, I followed Macbeth for so many years, but... You know, nowadays it's it's wild. I've got so many favorites. Okay, awesome. So and nobody I don't like. Okay, great. All right, we got Kona on the show tonight, and Nick is here regularly. He gets beat usually by the guest host. Let's see what happens here tonight. Let me ask this first question: How far can you throw a disc? Okay, so this is the game, Kona. How far is okay. he going to say he can throw a disc? Who can get closest? Uh, we're gonna make Nick go first. 325 feet. 325. Kona, just based off of that first impression you got, what's he going to answer? I'm going to say 350. Okay. Three, everyone's starting to chime in with their guesses here. That's fun to play along. So Kona says 350. Nick says 325. Let me get this back up and we'll hear his answer. Here we go. Today, I bombed one 420 feet, but I was at about 150 feet of altitude advantage. So he played whole level. Okay. On flat field, maybe 320, 340. Okay. So we're going to, I don't know. So what do you want to answer? We'll say 340. Okay, 340. That's the answer, Nick. And Okay, so what did, so you said 350. So Kona gets that so one, Kona right? Kona gets it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, by five, five feet. Yeah. Okay, here, let's continue on by five feet. One point goes to Kona. Here's question Kona. two. Kona, all right. If I was to give you 10 putters from circle's edge, approximately right on the edge of the green there, how many putts would go in? Okay, how many putts? That's a new question. I like that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's a new question, yeah. Nick likes. So was it 10 putters? 10 putters from circle's edge. How many would go in? What is he going to answer, Kona? You're up. He says six. Nick, what do you say? Dang, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I'll go with, I'll go five. Five. So the over and unders, five or six. Six or better is Kona. All right, let's see here. Let's get it playing to hear what his answers are. Four putts. Four putts. I almost said four, but I felt like All right, here we rude. go. <laughs> this is actually relevant to you. I can see you've got some sweet ink. Do you have any disc golf tattoos? Nope, they're all Final Fantasy. Okay, so if you, you were to sick. get a save the day, <laughs> if you were to get a disc golf tattoo, what would it be? Here we go. Your options: uh, a putter hitting the front rim, Tasmanian Devil throwing a 360 long distance drive, a single basket, or a favorite disc golf phrase like "grip it and rip it" or "death putt." Okay, so this is a new question as well. Yeah. We've never heard this. First so of all, <clears throat> the last point goes to Nick. Me. So you guys are tied up. Is that correct? Yeah. Were you surprised that he said four? 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't we're, know. we're judging that disc golfer. Yeah, this guy exactly. was great. How about his he final awesome. fantasy? He's like, save yeah. the day. He's like dancing That's and everything. Yeah. Awesome. So, okay, Nick, you're up. What tattoo does he choose out of those options? Death putt. Okay, so a disc golf phrase, a cool disc golf phrase, death putt, or or something else. Uh, what do you think, Kona? He's doing the Tasmanian Devil 360. Tasmanian Devil. Let's go ahead and see what he says here. This is good. We got to go with the Tasmanian Devil oh on this. God. Dude's nuts. I'm nuts. We're both nuts. Oh. Awesome. Both okay. Nuts. So Tasmanian Devil. Awesome. Some of our viewers and listeners are probably going to go, who's the Tasmanian Devil? I mean, Literally that's old school. That's cool. He goes like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we've got a wild one here, guys. This is perfect. Thank you for being on the show. Looney Tunes, come on, dude. <laughs> All right, if you had to choose during a competitive round, unfavorable weather conditions, your three options are 20 mile per hour wind consistently, moderate rain, or snowing. Okay. <clears throat> what is he going to choose for unfavorable weather conditions during a competitive round? It's wind, 20 miles per hour or more, rain, steady, moderate, or snow. What is he going to answer? Is this your turn, Nick? Nope, Kona's. Kona's up. So listen, Kona, you are leading two to one right now. She can close it out right You here. can close it out. Um, or Nick can tie, potentially. Or both of you get it wrong, and Kona wins. So, all right, Kona, nice. what do you got? I'm going to say s Rain. <laughs> He's a tank top guy, so I'm going with wind. <clears throat> you said s rain. <laughs> rain. Okay, final answer, both of you? Yeah, I'm going with wind. It sounds like you rain. guys are Captain Planet again. It's like rain. <laughs> Never mind. Wind. Okay, here we go. Let me um, get in ahead of myself. Here's his answer. You know it's going to be snow. I'm a, I'm a man of Massachusetts oh here. Gosh. I don't do well in the summer. I'd rather be shoveling snow in my underwear right now than be in this heat. What? <laughs> All right. We totally thank you for coming on the show. I hope our viewers and our listeners loved it. Uh, you want to give any shout outs before you go? Just to you, my man. This was great. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, so Kona Panis of Team Innova, she just um, took first place. And I think this is funny. Her camera just froze up. Oh, Did no. we lose her? Are Kona? you still there? Reconnecting. That is incredible. So she what wins. Timing? She. <laughs> Hopefully she'll get back on really quick too. Uh... <clears throat> that is crazy. She well, literally hey. won with her smiling face up there. Look, you Kona, know... what do you have to say for yourself? Oh, 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 she's back. Hold on. Is she fully back? Are you there, Kona? Kona, can Hello? you hear us? Hello? Yes. We, okay. we we're thought, frozen. we're like, you froze she just up dismissed right herself won. from the show as soon as she won. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're like, wow. <clears throat> she just like dropped the yeah. mic. It was literally, you'll have to watch it back. It's kind of funny. We're I was like, gonna congratulations, say, <laughs> and you're frozen. Yeah. I was going to say, when you froze up, I was going to be like, look, I, uh, I don't have to pay for her lunch now because she doesn't know that she won. So that's Nick's prize giveaway. <laughs> Eventually, is. he will owe every guest lunch, and they'll never make it on yeah. tour. It, yes. Yeah. So when you come up for MVP, yeah, hopefully that yeah. still happens. I'll that have, could be another I'll topic. have my mom make lunch because <laughs> I can't pay for it. Mom make lunch. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, that was the game. Congratulations on winning. I hope you enjoyed your time on here. Thanks for coming on. We truly appreciate it. Um, and yeah, next time we see each other, yeah. we'll, we'll hang out again, go for ice cream. And are you talk. going to, are you going to Idlewild? 
Yep, we'll be at Idlewild. Oh. Okay, so Matt, you'll see her you, at Idlewild. You, you may Idlewild. see me. You may. It depends. Sometimes MPO doesn't line up, but I'll be doing chase cards. So hopefully I see Colton there and maybe you too. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I always kind of do this quick little plug at the end, please, for like the next 30 seconds. Where can the people find you? Social um, media. Social media, Instagram, Kona underscore disc, Kona underscore panis, Facebook, Kona panis disc golf, and my website, konapanis.com. Bam. Sweet. Bam. That was less than 30 seconds. Now I got like 15 <laughs> seconds to say thank you so much, Kona. You are a wonderful guest to have. We hope to have you again. Maybe one of these days we'll have Colton on the show because that'd be pretty sweet. We can talk about van living, win at Waco, and everything like that. But uh, it was so great to see you up in Michigan again. We very, very, very much hope that everyone will be able to come to Massachusetts safely for the MVP Open. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone again, as always. And uh, thank you again. Keep up, the, yeah. Keep up thank the great guys. work, Kona. Thank you. Stay Peace safe, out. yo. You too. All right, everybody. Bye. That was Kona Panis of Team Innova. Totally awesome to have her on. Um, our numbers totally jumped up live viewer when she came on. So, like, not going to lie. Like, having a player on like that who's going to yeah. bring some viewers and listeners to us, that's totally cool. Exactly. We totally we it. appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we still was, have a couple more things to talk about. That was Matt. some good reminiscing, too. Like, yeah. like, totally had some memories come. I know, right? I totally forgot about the Ronnie's ice cream. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got black raspberry because that's what I get if they have it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, super cool. Kona's awesome. Super hard competitor. She's really working towards, you know, what she's trying to do. And, uh. Yeah, it was great having her on. Okay, so here's the deal. We just did a segment that's been out for a little while, but we're bringing in a new segment, no theme music yet. We need some input on what this should be called. Right now, it's kind of like internet disc golf questions. So let's just get right into it and see how this goes. What we're going to do is we perused, we scoured the internet, we found people's questions, and we're going to read them. Now, I'm going to try to take on... Their Maybe voice. I have no idea who they are, so I'm just gonna make up voices, and it's probably gonna make them sound stupid. But it's not my intention because I don't know who they are. Um, so Michael's in the chat, the guy who we were just oh. having on. All right, dude, Michael. you were super fun. Michael, hope to meet you at Maple Hill sometime. Judge that disc golf yeah. uh, episode, Michael, on the, cool guy. in the comments. So this segment here, Nick, you're gonna answer. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm gonna put the question up, and here he goes. Rookie question, last round on a dog leg hole, my disc stopped almost against a wall of trees. With the basket 150 feet away and directly behind them, so my only shot was at a right angle to the direction I needed to go, basically costing me a throw. Could I have backed away from my disc directly away from the basket so I'd still be behind my disc? far enough to make a reasonable hyzer shot nick no okay so because it's not oh it's not ob right on a dog like hole my disc stopped against a wall of trees with the basket so no because he's still so when can you do that uh if you're out of bounds and the line kind of matches up to where you can with the new rule you can take it backwards as far as you need to in line with the basket but even that's kind of a, like a touchy subject but no unless it was completely unplayable i mean shoot you're just playing a casual round hmm. <laughs> if that's what you want to do then go for it but uh no all right you cannot you can't away. just make your shot easier when you want to no nope, i wish all right here we go nick nick you get to uh you get to I, read I, yeah i'm one. so bad with go. like impersonating no so i'm gonna use my regular voice and uh <laughs> try right, to, here you I go probably got here no you go. It, but here you go 
There has never been a better time to drop the, oh my God, you would give me this question too. <laughs> it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> there has never been a better time to drop the college shirt rule from tournament play. One, we are not golf. Difference is good for business and image. Fashions help or fashions helps players sell their own image and brand. Two, it's classist. It makes the game look expensive when it's actually fairly cheap to play. Three, it's summer. Four, they suck. Five, it makes us look less athletic. Discuss. I want to discuss this one really quick, Matt. Just kind of my take on this. I was going to comment on it because it was right after the DGPT event in Michigan. So I'm only assuming that the guy watched coverage and saw people wearing polos and nice collared shirts and everything like that. My comment to that is for DGPT events and up. So let's say eight tiers, DGPT, national tour, majors. If you can afford to pay $250 to play the tournament and travel to that tournament, you can afford to pay $150 to buy three sets of polos and pants. Go to Dick's Sporting Goods. They're on the clearance rack. $20 pairs of shorts. It's summertime. Wear shorts and a collared shirt. No, it doesn't make us look less athletic. For <laughs> they don't they don't suck. I don't care if it's summer. They're not really hot shirts. And uh don't really think that it makes the game look more expensive and there are a lot of things from golf that i think we should be trying to follow and i think yeah our image how crappy does it look when a player is wearing sweatpants at a pro tour event or when a player is wearing a regular shirt that has some band logo on it if anything that just looks stupid but sorry matt I took your answer away no you're fine <laughs> okay so that that's fine I'm, you, I'm, you... I'm a polo person so okay you took the hot take there um let's see let's pull up this next one here um okay. it is going to be what was the worst score you've ever gotten on a single hole that comes from bobby so i know my answer immediately is going to shock the world uh no a 13, Nick. I took a 13, and it was Whole not... Whole 10 at West Thompson. You knew where it was, because yeah. I've recounted this before. Yeah. Uh, my first shot didn't go out of bounds. My second shot went out of bounds. My third shot went out of bounds. My fourth shot went out of bounds. My fifth shot went out of bounds. I can't remember, because I'm lo losing track now, if my sixth went, but I laid up to a different spot, I believe, then pitched up, and then either hit my putt or missed it. But I got a 13. Do you remember what yours is? I think a 12. And I think it was when I was an AM2 player playing a tournament at Maple Hill. And I kept trying to throw it onto the green on hole 18, like the <laughs> island. So I just kept flicking every single one of my discs because I was pissed off at how I played. Just, and I'm pretty sure I took a 12. I, th I think that's my highest. I don't think I've ever gone higher than that. It, can we just say, if you get higher than like a 9 or an 8, it's probably due to poor decision making. Yeah. Like even maybe an 8. Depends on how big the hole is, I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. So, Nick, <laughs> you get this one. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> These questions are so weird. Anyone ever throw a Prodigy X3? I'm just going to say, yes, people have thrown Prodigy X3s. That's so, my answer. <laughs> that's literally a question yeah. that was in a generic disc golf forum. Was anyone throw the Prodigy X3? So... <laughs> yes people have thrown it yes people have thrown it i i personally have it in fact i don't know if i had to say have i ever thrown even prodigy i think i've done it 
maybe once or twice, like ever. And this was when they first came yeah, out. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, when we used to buy like the Proto D3s and the D4s. Remember those red and green ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring up one more here. I think this is one more, if my math's correct. Uh, here we go. I'll ask it. I just used my quick stick to get a bat out of the house. What's the best non-disc golf task you've used your disc golf equipment for? So <laughs> this guy used his quick stick to get like a, a, an animal, a bat out of his house. I can tell you right off the top, tip of my hat or tip of my head, tip of my tongue, one of however those. that goes. Yeah, I've used a disc and this is in the Northeast up here in New England, Massachusetts in the winter. I've used a disc to scrape the ice or the frost off of my windshield because I didn't have anything else. That's pretty funny. It, it works, but it's annoying too. So, have you ever used anything, Nick, for um, any other purpose than disc golf? I'm trying to think. I've probably taken one of my putters before, like when squirrels are on my <laughs> mom's bird feeder. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've thrown a putter at one of them, just kind of scared not to hit the squirrel. But there's another time where. I was at this cookout a couple years ago and we were playing like Polish horseshoes where you stick this pole in the ground, you put a bottle on top of it and you try to throw a Frisbee. One team kind of defends the bottle from falling. The other team's trying to throw it off. Anyways, we were playing with a regular Frisbee and I had my disc golf bag. I was like, yo guys, let's try playing with a disc golf disc. And the only reason I said that is because I knew I was going to hit the pole pretty frequently. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I had like 10 shots in a row. I hit the pole and then one of them actually shattered the glass bottle. But yeah, so I've used it for that. Awesome. So that was a new segment. Again, it wasn't all classy. It's kind of a test run here. If you think it's fun, we'll, we'll find your questions maybe on the internet. We can search some cool Reddit forums or Facebook or anywhere else. We'll peruse and we'll find questions and just take them without we do not like preview them to like decide like, hey, how are we going to answer? Those were purely like raw, uncut uh, right out of. I, I still want to do that the uh segment that we're going to come up with soon and i don't want to tease it too much you can tease it uh, how do we tease it? we've seen it before it's, 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 it's online it's a, it's a very show. famous yeah it's a very famous thing on youtube we and, might come uh, up with hot takes guys and we're gonna eat are we just teasing the whole thing? sauce yeah hot so, sauce chicken wings hot wings i hate spicy food like the most <laughs> spiciness i can do is like your casual buffalo chicken tenders from a restaurant and even that makes me sweat. Matt, on the other hand, is like, dude, give me five ghost peppers. I'm going to shove them through my ears, up my nose, and eat them like that. And it's insane. But eventually, so, we're, we're going to have some pretty cool topics that we're going to talk about while eating hot wings. And uh, and I'm going to make sure to nuke Nick's chicken. Yeah. But the problem is, I think we have to do it towards the end of the show because like, it could ruin the show. You're like, well, I plus, can't even plus talk Plus, we'll, we'll be hungry by then. Like We had steak before the show today. No. I could totally I go for some buffalo chicken tenders right now. I could but, too right now, but that's going to be another time. Okay. So that's a new segment. We hope you guys liked it. We Here's do... the last segment. Yeah. Talking about rules violations. Oh, good God. And when to call them. So what does that look like when you're out there competing? I asked you early on. I teased it way early on. I asked if you ever had to call somebody, and I say had to, mm -hmm. um, because I think there's a lot of opportunities to call rules that maybe sometimes it doesn't feel like you have to call. Um, but that's part of this discussion. Um, I have made a call before, but it was more like a, hey, be aware. Like, but is yeah. that cool or is that just messing with people? Should you just make the call? Or do you think it's actually courteous to be like? I think it's courteous to say, 
you know, hey, man, watch your feet or okay. something like that. Like, don't say it in a douchey way. But, like, when I was in Waco, I was flicking an approach shot on hole 16, I think it was. And I flicked it up by the basket, and I was playing with a card mate. And he had said, hey, man, like, you know, not trying to call you out on anything, but just watch your feet. You kind of slipped a little bit, and your foot ended up on your mini, which technically would be a footfall. Um, luckily, he just, you know, kind of gave me a little courteous you know hey watch your feet it didn't mess with my head at all i appreciated that he all of a sudden wasn't just like hey man footfall but at the same time we're supposed to call each other on footfall which is what i was going to ask you like so it's like oh the spe- there's okay but there also is a spirit of the game rule okay and that can go two ways that can go one way to be like hey that person technically isn't breaking the rules but they're like trying to do something shady that's also out of the spirit of the game, but there's also spirit of the game to be like, that's no way intentional cheating. Yep. So I kind of feel like, you know, a courtesy, like, hey man, like I could have called that, but part of me too, and I don't know if there's others like this out there, says, if you're gonna say that to me, and part of me just wants to be like, just call me on it, because now now it's in my head, like, oh, he could have called me, he's doing me a favor, now it feels like I actually had an advantage that I shouldn't have had, but it's, it's so like it's kind of like just call me on it, give me the penalty. Yeah, and I I had said this at the beginning of the show, where in a wide open course, if a guy foot faults, like say he's throwing and he lands six inches behind the kind of designated area that he's had, you know, around his mini, where he can plant his foot, he's not really gaining an advantage. If anything, he's gaining a disadvantage, not throwing right next to the mini, but or right behind it, so. I would call it on someone if they're legitimately trying to gain an advantage, especially around like the putting green from say 60 feet but in guys. Is in the that wood. just subjective though? You're just trying to decide, are they cheating? What if they're no, really I, I, good I don't at think they're time. Like not everyone out there is going, I don't, I would like to think no one is going out there purposely trying to put their feet in a wrong position, but it's more of uh, I wouldn't, there have been times <laughs> where I said to someone, Hey man, watch your feet of just like, Someone will ask me, they'll be doing a patent pending and they'll be lined up just a little bit off and they'll say, Hey man, how are my feet looking? And I'm like, Oh, your left foot's got to go back just a little bit, you know, closer to your disc because you are outside that little, you know, square or circle or whatever it is. And, uh, but there's very few times and I probably shouldn't say this, but I don't watch people's feet on every single throw. I really don't. Um, and I don't think people. It's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> because the rule. <laughs> It's not a gray area. It says you need to watch and observe the flight or the throw of your competitor on your card because that's how the rules are enforced at this point. But it doesn't say, like, you have to watch their foot. You have to watch their follow. I guess they're saying in general, watch it all. Yeah. And that's it. There are going to be things that slip by. So it's not that, like, oh, my goodness, like, things aren't going to slip by. It was more uh, the idea of, like, so someone brought this up live and I did the same thing. I said, Hey, like that technically is a foot fault. And someone else said, yes, I agree. So now was that a first and a second there? If I say, Hey, that's technically a foot fault. And then the other guy goes, yeah, actually I, I guess, agree. Yeah. And technically, technically it was, your first and, second. and I, it you wasn't, you don't even it wasn't a second now. It's true. But this was back when it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. And then that guy was so bothered. He could not believe it. Oh, this in, uh, and it's like, 
first of all, I was trying to be casual about it. Second of all, the other guy agreed. So it's not like I was yeah. like totally out to lunch on that. Like, so I guess where I'm going with this is when people, are you one of those people who gets upset if somebody calls the rule on you? I'm going to be very transparent here. It does, as a competitor, it bothers me. Like if someone says, hey, you broke the rule. But yeah. also as a competitor, I, I end up being like, Hey, I totally appreciate you calling the rules and do it every single time. And I hope that you'd expect the same from me. Like, same there playing were, field. There was a C tier I was at last year, and uh, someone had thrown on my card. They were in a really crappy spot. They were trying to pitch up to the basket with this, like, forehand, overhand roller that was supposed to pan out and sit. It was kind of – it was a very janky shot. And uh, it ended up cut rolling backwards down the cart path where we were walking to the next hole and someone's cart was right there in the path and it just completely nailed it i didn't 100 percent know the rules on it but someone was getting stroked in the sense of you know or courtesy violation but you had to be made aware of what just happened obviously it wasn't intentional the cart shouldn't have been there i get that it ended up long story short ended up just being a courtesy violation but the dude who we were, the dude whose cart got hit was like legitimately frustrated that me and someone else were like, we need to figure out what the hell just happened. Like we had to message the TD and like, Hey, where do we go with this? Like, is it a stroke? Is it a courtesy? I don't want to see someone get a stroke. I don't want to see someone even get a courtesy violation. Like that's not what I'm out there to do. That's not what anyone is out there to do, <laughs> but like there are rules in the game that, need to be followed so okay so that brings us right to the question when do you call rules it every time man. there's two i'm just gonna say there yeah. there are two camps of thoughts here like it's yeah is it like it's okay it's a... the rules it's the rules like it needs to be followed every time and if and if you're not calling it nick then somebody's gaining an advantage like yeah i feel like kind of straight sort of kind of straight up and simple yeah. well because here's the deal even if the footfall didn't give them an advantage out in the middle of an open field you know what kind of did the fact that they didn't have to think as hard about placing their foot in the right place. Yep. Like there is, there is an element there. So my question is, and you actually brought this up before the show, mm -hmm. this is a whole different topic. We're not going to go down it, but could there be officiating officials on each card to help with that decision? They can make the first call, meaning they're watching it all. They make the first call and then the players could second it. And maybe that's a way of saying the players are still involved, but somebody else is watching to make that initiation. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I remember, yeah, we won't get into that because that's a rabbit hole of <laughs> conversation that obviously Whole topic. that obviously is something really good that I think we should talk about eventually. We'll put it we down. will talk about that. Yeah. But I want to say this really quick. Ledgestone Insurance Open 2017. I was there. I was watching Paul's round. He was on the lead. I think it was the lead card. It was Josh Anton. Eric Oakley, Paul Macbeth, and someone else. Anyways, on hole 13 or 14, I think 14, Paul had thrown his second shot over the water. It never made it back in bounds. Clear as day, it was OB. Eric Oakley called him on a footfall. It was seconded. Back then, it wasn't a stroke penalty right off the bat. It was kind of that courtesy violation. If you do it one more time, you get a stroke. Well, no, it, was, it had to be seconded. Okay. Uh, so it's footfall, right? Yeah, it was a footfall. Yeah, it has and to remember, be second is what it was. But you don't get a stroke, right? No. I think back then it was just a courtesy warning. A, it was a second and then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it was a then second. So to, yep. he got seconded. And so he had to rethrow from his previous lie. His second shot, he absolutely parks the basket. 
Now, obviously, Eric wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, Josh is up by six, and I kind of want Paul to win. So I'm going to call Paul on this footfall so that he doesn't lose that stroke he was about to just lose. Obviously, that's not going through Eric's mind. No. He legitimately called someone, and fortunately, that was an opportunity to where there kind of couldn't be bad feelings about it because Paul ended up throwing a great second shot. <laughs> and then they changed then, the rule. Yeah, and then they changed the rule like, to it. They're like, wait a minute. They're like, that's almost an advantage. Yeah, you kind of, we're kind of like, I'm, I'm reading comments. There's a lot of comments coming in. Yeah, a ton of comments so, coming in. I'm going to pick one out really quick. But go ahead. Someone had commented, I used to call people on foot faults, mm. but it led to ill feelings, which sucks because then you don't want to call people on foot faults and then you're kind of not following the spirit the rules of the game the spirit of the game and it's it's such a sensitive so should, area. should players there, have there, this responsibility there are legitimately pros who get pissed off when you call them on a footfall like especially if you're lower rated oh yeah if you're <laughs> if you're first round playing with like a 1030 guy and you call them on a footfall oh my god dude it would not be yeah. good for you. So, but that's it's, but it's this even is the like, topic. Yeah. This is the topic. Is that a problem in our sport? Like it has. Yeah, in, it's a okay. huge problem. So the way it has been right now, that is the rules. The rules are the players call it. The rules are they officiate it. It is not self managed. Meaning, like I'm not the one who says, "Oh yeah, I foot faulted." You yeah. can call me. It's the rest of the group. Yeah. So for somebody to get upset at that, in my opinion, is at this point right or wrong. If that's the way the rules are. They're upset at the rules of the game, and maybe they should consider if they want to get better at it. <laughs> That's yeah. my hot take. Yeah, but, right. but like, I already said this. I do inside as a competitor. I'm bothered that at some point I may break the rule unintentionally, and someone calls me on it. Of course. It's like, I can't believe I did that. I'm so upset at myself, and then I don't want to take it out on somebody else. That's where it takes it yeah. over the line. Jordan Castro, and shout out to him. I don't know if he's watching. Wicked good dude. But he has been known in the disc golf world for making calls at a high level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now he's a fairly high rated player. I feel yeah. like he's touring. He's full time. He can make those calls. He's not trying. He is not trying to circumvent and get an advantage on somebody. Yep. He's trying to follow the rules just as much as he wants the other players to do it. So let me ask again. When you see a rules violation, should you call it? <laughs> Yes. I, Bible school answer. Yeah. You should you like, should call it. And But do you really feel that way? Because I don't think you are going to call it every time. It just goes back and forth. And the same for me. It's more, and someone had also commented this, I'm worrying about myself rather than policing the other people. And if someone, if I'm playing around, Matt, you and me are going out and you want to police my every single foot, you know, that I, wherever I put my feet, you know, that's, that's up to you. It, I don't think right now it would mentally cripple me because... There are times like I struggle at Maple Hill with sometimes planting off the front of the tee pad where the wood is. At Maple, wood is good, but at a lot of other places, it is not. And so I remember playing Greater Hartford last year, and I didn't know the rules exactly, but on the tee boxes there, they have wood. One of the guys in my car has said, hey, I don't think wood is good here, so just watch your feet. And so I made sure every single time after that that I didn't tee off on the wood. And what do you know for it was a 22 hole tournament for the next remainder of 18 or 19 holes. I didn't plant off the wood, you know, and it, it, I don't think it mentally crippled me, but that's not to say it won't for someone else. I, I do know people who have blown up. You can watch watch old coverage of Nico getting a footfall called on him by Barry Schultz or when 
Scott Stokely called Ken Climo on a footfall. Like just the rage that comes out of that. Like, okay. oh my god. But two, uh, yeah. uh, one quick point, one longer point. Yep. One is you just mentioned Nico, and I saw somebody comment yep. that you know the length. We of knew time, he was going to come up. The length of time he takes. Now, yeah. Nick, you said a great point earlier. That needs to be called. Okay, but <laughs> but the interesting thing is you're going to appear as a Nazi because, as you no. mentioned earlier, I don't mean you, it like that. You literally have to time that because you can't you make do. a call based off of a mental like oh that was definitely yeah. 30 seconds no you legitimately have to have a stopwatch going and have 30 <laughs> seconds to be like yo dude nico by the way this was started seconds. when you yeah. started um seconds. now that being said if it's two minutes obviously you know it's two minutes and you can yep. have that casual conversation but then that's where it starts to get interesting where they feel like you're maybe trying to get in their head it's kind of like well just call me if you're going to call me so that's interesting but then i'm going to bring up something that's kind of I want to say personal, um, because part of me felt extreme. Actually, all of me felt extremely bad about this situation. And some people are going to probably say I'm a horrible dad. Here's two situations: my son competes at a fairly high level in the junior disc golf world. Okay, he took third at Junior Worlds uh, two years ago, um, first in putting at Junior Worlds, first at U.S. Championship title in putting. He is a very high level. He knows the rules. So this is not your like entry level junior at yeah. eight, nine, and ten. Okay, like he knows. Yeah. Um, I can remember one time he jump putted, or or I should say like falling putt inside of the circle, and at a junior event, just to get this out there, parents as caddies or just like any other caddy, caddies can't call rules either. So parents are assumed often as caddies. It's not necessarily true, but it, it's in a lot of situations. Yep. So the parents can't call the rules. Now, when you see the rule like that, and he he verbally himself feels bad, like, oh no, I foot faulted, I step putted, right? Yeah. Or is he supposed to call it on himself? And I think the answer would be yes. But at that age, when he was eight or nine, he didn't know what to do, right? Yeah. And then everyone looks at the parents. And I'm like, hey, I'm like, Hunter, that was technically, that was a footfall, right? And everyone else is like, uh, I don't really want to call it. Well, what am I supposed to do, right? As the caddy and helping him understand the rules, be like, okay, nobody's calling it, so you're okay. God, you're good, you're good. Yeah. <clears throat> now, technically, if I'm following the rules of the rules, that's actually true. Nobody called him on it. Mm -hmm. But I said, hey, and this was before I even knew a little better. I said, hey, that's technically... At this point, that's a stroke, and you have to remake that. Now, that yeah. literally crushed me. One other story, and this one I felt like was almost worse. This was at the Northeast Championship. He threw a drive, got up to the basket, was putting out. Everybody's drives and lies came to rest within, like, let's say, five or ten feet, maybe, of the of the basket. Yeah. And people, as they're walking up, there's some confusion, but people were marking their discs. Okay, and picking them up like, okay, you can putt next, whatever. They're all kind of marked out. Hunter got to his turn and he stepped up to a, a mini. It was not his mini. And we're talking, two, I remember you talking about this. Yeah. two or three feet, maybe not even further, just like to the side. Yeah. And he putted out, went to pick up the mini and realized it wasn't his. The devastation that came across his face when he realized what happened because he knows the rules. He said, oh no. And he started crying. I putted out the wrong lie. And here's the problem again. And I know I'm going back to junior and I feel like I'm a horrible parent <laughs> like because nobody wants to do that. But also kids disc golf, the dad trying to teach him integrity, the whole nine yards. Everyone else is like, I, I don't know what to do there. Like there's no advantage gain. Yeah. 
And I'm like, man, like I totally appreciate that. But like when my kid's walking away being like, I know I did something wrong and everyone's just like, hey, I'm not that hard, hard parent who's like, you, you're going to pay for this. In fact, yeah. I felt sick because then I realized everyone realizes it was a violation and they're looking at me going like, I don't want to make that call because the dad's right there. And it's like, I'm, am here. And so, and so because of that, I was like, Hey man, here's what the rules state. And if everyone understands what the rules are and everyone's like, yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. Then this is the call. Yeah. So I don't know. And this it's, is at the, this is at a low competitive, like, I don't want to say low, yeah. the highest competitive level for junior, for the junior level. So yeah. like, if, if we're going to try to teach the juniors to enforce the, the game's rules, like, you gotta start young. Don't the pros have to? Yeah. So I agree with that. I think it's, it's so tough not to go into 10 other subjects with this, like, <laughs> you know, having a rules official on the card, or I think one of the biggest ones in the PGA we're bringing up golf again, I know. In the PGA, you can use video evidence as a way to potentially have a stroke penalized against you. It just happened to John Rahm at the Memorial Championships in golf. He was on the 16th hole. As he put his club down, ready to chip, the ball just barely moved. You could, I, I didn't even notice it when I was out. And uh, I was reading the you know post, or I was watching the post-round conference, whatever it was, and... Uh, the vice president of the rules officiating program, whatever it is, um, had said he was stroked on that hole. He ended up still winning the tournament by three, but they saw video evidence. Someone had brought it up saying, hey, I think this moved. But in disc golf, we don't have cameras on every single card. <laughs> I know. That's where it's different. And I know a lot of people are going to say that. So I'm going to get this out of the way. In golf, you have cameras pretty much on every single hole. And uh, so you can use that video evidence i guess as a way to you know mm. potentially have something bad happen to you <laughs> it could and as so. you said it's not fair because everybody doesn't have video evidence and, yeah. and there's a lot of comments coming in so i'm saying yeah like, all of a sudden yeah i said <laughs> golf i'm 99 percent sure in golf i'm that's how he got stroked no one on his card called it on him i don't even think he noticed it because in golf kind of spirit of the game if that does happen you are supposed to call it on yourself um but yeah. So Anyways. we're getting close to the end of the show here, but I, I, there's a lot of comments coming on and what I said about my son. I honestly believe, and again, I'm the, Nick, you know me well. I'm the last person to be like, you're going to pay for your faults. Like, no way. Like, in fact, like everything in me was like heartbroken. And it's because in that moment, integrity to me felt like advising my son on what he already knew was a violation of the rule to do the right thing. And someone made a comment here that I think um, is really pertinent. Other youth sports, are we letting the the youth players be, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, it's enforced. In fact, they have officiating. And in a lot of ways, I wish that was there. Yep. So I wouldn't have had to be that tough decision maker. But as the assistant TD, that's another side to that story as well. How can I play favorites in, if my son's in that division? Like, I can't. Uh, very tough. So at the highest level, I'm just going to say it like rule violations. If they're officiated by the players need to be called by the players and not because it's not fair. If one card is going to have that guy that's calling the rules and the card behind that you're on, yeah. they're not calling the rules. Like that's totally not fair. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother conversation though. Should we get officiating? Should we get replays? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it would have been cool <laughs> at uh, D glow this past weekend. 
every single card had a U-Disc live score, which was incredible. It was probably the best, one of the best perks about a tournament that I've been to so far is that the players did not for a second have to worry about their live scoring of them doing it themselves. Like, obviously, you're checking your own score just to make sure everything is all good. But um, it would be cool to get to a point to where that volunteer is a rules official or a marshal for the tournament and can actually work on that card. And, you know, you and I had talked about this before the show. You don't want to have someone who, you know, I'm on a pro tour event. <laughs> someone doesn't like me, Nick Carl, and, you know, calls me on the slightest things. Obviously there's biasness, but you're talking about NFL officials get graded and it's a rabbit hole. There's a thousand things we could talk about with the rules. Um, this is a weird part of our sport there is that we don't have officials on every single card and we don't have officials. We're not playing a team sport. You know, there's no travels, there's no double dribbles, there's, you know, no offsides or anything like that. You're calling it on yourself or you're calling it on potentially a friend and another competitor, whether mm. it's to gain advantage on that person or not. It's a sensitive subject. It's, it's tough. I, I really, so Nick, I, can I just say this yeah. live on air? Go for it. I want you to call me when I break the rules. <laughs> just Matt, yeah. you totally foot faulted there. And I want to get better because I don't feel like I can get better if I'm not getting at least told about it. Um, and yes, so at high level of competition, now as a representative for Kids Disc Golf, this is not the Kids Disc Golf show. I am very strongly, you can go read on Kids Disc Golf, the articles we've written up, the rules are not important at an entry level. We actually do not teach them or stress them at all. So that's a totally separate topic, um, eventually as they grow and develop. So before we go, there's one illustration I want to point out, Paul Macbeth, and I can't remember if you made this, I was I was thinking about a lot of things, seeing all the comments coming up. Mm -hmm. Did you talk about him? Um, it was post round calling himself on a, a wrong play of, of his lie. Wait, I'm sorry. This was, US DGC. this was USDGC. This was USDGC. Yeah, this was 2016. <clears throat> he played his lie yeah. wrong or yeah. the result of his lie or whatever it is. No, he, he counted his score. Mm -hmm. He counted his score wrong. And so, I but think it was due to the way he played the hole, meaning like it wasn't a question. Yeah, I, I forget what it was. He came in. And ultimately, it was post round. I don't know if he's watching live or something. But it clicked no, with him. It was it was post round, and we were talking about it. And it clicked with him that yeah. like, whoa, like then I didn't play that correctly. And what did he do? He called himself. Yep. And he told the TD. And I think he even got a two stroke penalty for that. He did. He lost the world tour points that year because of those two strokes. And. I know you're friends with him and I'm friends with him at some level as well. I'm not here just to toot his horn and to make, that is incredible. Mm -hmm. That is what we need at the top pro level. Um, and not to contrast it, but we see players, you don't want to call people out of like spite either. Yeah. So like <laughs> I could keep it nameless, but everyone's going to know what we're talking about. Uh, the uh, glass blown open. There was a FPO or two FPO players and one threw their many in frustration and the lead competitor at that time said, hey, that's a courtesy violation. Like, you can't throw your mini in frustration. Mm -hmm. And then the leader hit their putt and celebrated, maybe a little loud, maybe a little excitedly. And that player who was just called oh. now says, yeah. oh, courtesy violation back to you. And I'd like to say that needs to leave our sport as well. Mm -hmm. It's incredible where people, there's human <laughs> error. The whole thing is yeah. interesting. And this is also ultimate disc golf. You said you talked to Brody about some of his thoughts on ultimate. And it's like the spirit of the game. Everyone calls each other on it. Like it's a tough, interesting sport. And maybe it will change. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will change. 
Um, so there, there are people who I've played with and they have called themselves on, oh, hey, did you watch my feed on that one? Like, I think I foot faulted. And if the rest of the card's not paying attention, then obviously we're not going to say, oh, yeah, you definitely foot faulted. But there have been people who I've played with that said, oh, my my foot hit my mini after, you know, I was doing my fall through and everything like that. And so we appreciate people like that. Man, it's weird because I don't want to say I'm not going to police everyone's feet because I'm I'm not. I'm just seriously, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stare at your feet the whole time while I'm playing. But the point is, if you see a rule violation, it's your obligation to call it. Yep. So there's a difference between being like, I'm actively trying to like be like, did they do that? And being like. No, I think that was a real unless violation. it's you, Matt. I'm watching your ah, every move you. when we play together. Yeah, so. I mean, so that's realistically the end of our show. Yeah, we're, we're gonna end it on that. I, I don't ever want to talk about rules again. There's yeah, that's kind of like a downer just... topic, but it's the same way. It's yeah. it's it's um, it can be good for the sport, and that's I've heard people say that's part of what they like about the sport is that it's like it's self officiated, like we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I feel about that, but. All right, that's really the end of the show here, guys. Um, I'm traveling to Idlewild this coming week. Again, our show's changing to Wednesday evening, same time. Yep. Um, we've got a guest Special lined guest. up. His name is Mike Shu. If you are in the New England area, probably more Massachusetts, yeah, you may recognize the name. Um, but he's he was a, I'm going out on a limb here, a pretty large radio personality, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, his voice is going to come on the show and, and dwarf ours, okay? So Mike Shu, yeah. incredible radio personality who plays disc golf. Um, we were able to line this up. It's taken a while, but we've got it. Uh, I actually come. still haven't met him. Okay, well, you're going to meet him so live. So I can finally get to uh, meet him. We're going to ask his perspective because in the radio industry, advertising is super, super important. Mm-hmm. Interested in his perspective of how disc golf can maybe do that better what he how he got introduced to the game and um how he's potentially helping grow the sport um so yeah. are you going to be a, we're going to do wednesday night right yeah you're not going anywhere i don't think so not <laughs> not at the moment i don't think i am but no i just really quick i want to say appreciate everyone who tuned in who is going to tune in to this episode that will drop soon um guys the engagement tonight on live i should say folks you can't say guys folks the engagement on tonight's show was incredible like over the last 20 minutes we've probably had over 100 comments throughout facebook and uh youtube just about the whole rules thing i love the engagement that i see on live i love seeing how many live people are watching and i love actually being able to read through the comments i don't always obviously get to (laughs) say every single comment that i would like to but um please even at post round or post (laughs) post round post show uh leave some comments matt and i usually go on we try to you know, comment back on other people's comments, but don't forget, like, subscribe, hit the thumbs up button and uh, tell your friends about the show. Hopefully we'll have one of your friends on sometime soon for either judge that disc golfer or a guest on the show. Matt and I have some pretty sweet people that in the future potentially will be on the show. Can't wait for it. We hope you guys enjoy tonight. Take it easy. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.